0: Kumbawale, for the win! Good! Uh-huh. Alike uh-huh. Okumbawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame!
1: Pino gets the crossing. He's the uh-huh. one Cup! Oh, can you believe this? Every one has saved the USA's life in this World Cup! Twenty-one World Championship medal. she is. The greatest of all time, you just can't say it enough, wow. Hello and welcome to All In, WFUV Sports' own women's sports podcast. I am, of course, James Burley, making my second appearance on this podcast ever, and I could not have come at a better time. The Women's World Cup is in full swing, and it has been one of the greatest spectacles in women's sports ever. 32 teams, the biggest expansion of the competition, and we've gotten surprises. We've gotten big teams playing well, bleak teams playing poorly, big teams playing neutrally, like I'm sure we're going to talk about. Later on in this episode for our near and dear Stars and Stripes of the United States of America. I'm James Burley, joined alongside the boss, Julia Moss and Annabelle Watson. Uh, Annabelle, how's it going?
0: Good. Um, I'm excited to talk this World Cup. I think we're seeing a lot of big steps for women's sports in this World Cup. You know, the uh, U.S. women's team set a record for viewership Um in that Netherlands game so just really exciting to talk about and I think um we're gonna have a really good discussion about what unfolded
2: yeah I am so pumped I have a lot of sometimes I I come in a podcast like man I hope that like my opinions come out the right way like but I'm not worried about that today I know exactly (laughs) what I'm ready to talk about it and I'm excited
1: I think uh, what's been apparent is that we all have very uh, uh, very much clarity in where we're going to be directing some of our opinions in this episode, which is good. It's always nice to have a, a unified front, even if it is on a Zoom call talking about soccer games that are happening on the other side of the world. But this is why we do it, you know, and let's just jump right into that U.S.-Netherlands game, a replay of the final from 2019, one that the U.S. won 2-0 Rose Lavelle was the standout in that match, and Rose Lavelle made a big difference in this one. They go down in the first half. Jill Roard scores a brilliant team goal from the Netherlands to make it 1-0 to the Dutch, and that first half was all the Netherlands. It was a tale of two halves. The U.S. clawed one back. Lindsay Horan had her I'm her moment where she literally dunked on the Dutch defense to her own teammate, Van de Donk, after probably earning a yellow card that wasn't given. Uh, I mean, I had a lot of criticisms of that referee, but that was neither here nor there. No decision from the referee decided the game, so we'll leave it at that. And she literally dunked on the Netherlands defense with that header to equalize it. And I thought the U.S. looked really, really, I wouldn't say really great in that second half, but certainly a lot better than they were in the first and probably better than they have been at the entire World Cup. So credit where credit's due, but not good enough to get the job done. A 1-1 draw, in my opinion, was fair. A lot of people talking about how only one substitution was used being that Roosevelt halftime sub for Savannah DeMello, which ultimately played out really, really well. Roosevelt controlled a lot of the ball in the midfield moving forward for the U.S. That made things good. Uh, so overall impressions from the U.S.'s second group stage match. They currently sit in first. Uh, Julia, I'll go to you first on this one. Four points out of a possible six, but that goal differential plus three keeps them above the Netherlands going into Tuesday morning against Portugal.
2: Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway is that if they're going to play soccer like this, they're not winning the World Cup. It's, I mean, that's that's plainly a fact. If these are going to be the tactics moving forward, not taking advantage of subs. With this lineup in particular, this is not a starting 11 that's winning you a World Cup final. It's not. You have your most experienced players on the bench. You have Kelly O'Hara on the bench. You have Lynn Williams on the bench. Christy Mewis. All players who have major tournament experience. Megan Rapinoe even. And you're going with likely your most unexperienced possible lineup to start these games when it was against Vietnam I was like okay that makes sense this game is not going to be close this is not going to be a game that the U.S. wins or, I mean loses no matter who you put out there but when I saw that exact same lineup against the Netherlands I was stunned I was like there's no way this is what they're going with and for that to be you know kind of doubled down by the fact that Vlatko used only one sub the whole game Being Roosevelt, which, let's be honest, she was always going to come into this game, when you don't take advantage of the last 15 minutes, when you're tied 1-1, when you have people like Lynn Williams, Megan Rapinoe, uh, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. You go with Savannah DeMello, you go with players like Trinity Rodman, who, you know, there might be a hot take, but I don't think she had a good game. I don't think she's ready for World Cup minutes up top, so... I, overall, I mean, they got the point. That's good. We would be having a much different conversation if they lost 0-1, but they didn't. Great Lindsay Horan moment. Her and Roosevelt are the players, and Sophia Smith are the players of the tournament so far, but we're only two games in. I have to remind myself not to go crazy on on being too skeptical or pessimistic, but this is not a World Cup winning team that's playing right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd have to second what Julia says. I think it's not exactly a World Cup winning team right now. I think they did make an outstanding effort against the Netherlands and to get that draw was awesome. But, you know, you want to see a win there. I think a big thing with these lineups is that they haven't really played together and they need a lot. They need to mesh a little bit more, I think. And hopefully in this game against Portugal, they can do it. But, you know, it's kind of crunch time for them. Um, They weren't really in sync at first, but Hopefully they can kind of gel a little bit more. I think to second what Julia said. I think Blacko is not using his subs. I think Lynn Williams could be a the perfect player. You know, he had a great opportunity to sub her in and just didn't. And you know that's really frustrating to see. I think this bench is so deep and so experienced that it needs to be used. And hopefully in this next match we'll see that. But you know it's just really hard to see this these very valuable pieces not be used.
1: I I couldn't agree more, especially about Lynn Williams, because maybe Julie, I've mentioned this to you. It could just be my my Gotham FC agenda coming out just because they are a local team. But I love Lynn Williams not only, and it's not just that because I think there's by every metric she was the U.S.'s best player in 2021 and 2022. It's the fact that she's not been featured in this team and when the opportunity seemed absolutely perfect in my opinion with you know trinity rodman has struggled in the opening two matches i'm not fully ready to say she's not ready to play at this level but you know she was really doing some good work the entire team collectively i think in the final third in that second half they they had a few good moments they were getting better it seemed like they were one or two passes away from creating a really good chance and to me that says Well, then you bring on another sub, you get fresher legs, you bring down, wear down the opposing team's defense more. And Lynn Williams is exactly that profile of player. She can bring that spark. And I was waiting for that substitution to happen and happen and happen. And as the game would get further and further, closer to 90 minutes, uh, it ended up being a 100-minute game, it became very clear that Vlako made all the adjustments he wanted to at halftime. And again, to play perhaps a little bit of devil's advocate here, I will give him credit because bringing on Roosevelt, who was always going to play if she was fit enough to play, she's that good. Bringing her on and adjusting the game a little bit more offensively did work. And they got the goal back and they looked like the better team. But it still wasn't enough for three points. And now we find ourselves in a situation where the U.S. has to get a result on the final match day of the group stage at the World Cup. I don't think a single soul. Uh, fan or otherwise of this women's national team would have thought that that'd be the case, but that's where we are right now. And that's an unfortunate reality, but that means that we're going to perhaps see some different players in the fold coming into this third match. Um, I did not think we were going to get the same 11, t- two times in a row. I did not think that Andy Sullivan or Savannah DeMello were going to be starters. And I was very surprised to see Julie Ertz lining up at center back next to Naomi Gurma. Although I thought the two of them have actually been nothing short of great uh no mistakes at all from Naomi Gurma. She's an absolute stud. And I, I think like we talked about the whole Ertz to center back instead of the midfield thing when we were texting during the game. Should Julia Ertz be in central midfield? Would that maybe bring a player like Andy Sullivan or Savannah DeMello to the bench when Rose Lavelle is fully healthy to start? And would you mean would that mean Alana Cook or maybe Kelly O'Hara playing center back? I know Julia, you had strong opinions about Kelly O'Hara specifically. And do you think that would be a change worth making going ahead to this Portugal game, a game where they may need to get all three points and extra goals to stay in the top spot of the group?
2: Yeah, I mean, Julie Ertz is such a good and dynamic player. She will honestly, you put her anywhere on the pitch, she's going to do well. She's just that player. She's she's a utility, versatile player that can strive anywhere. But. When you're in the when you're in a tournament like the World Cup, the the stage is not set higher. You can't get higher than the World Cup. You need your best players playing at their best positions. And I know losing Becky Sauerbrunn was kind of a last second, unexpected thing. But you should be bringing up another defender into this roster. You should be putting a defender who usually plays defense in center back. Like you you have defenders on the team. You have Kelly O'Hare. You have Alana Cook. These are people who play defense. Julie Ertz is a midfielder she and she's really really good at the midfield position and she's really great at defense too but she really strives servicing the ball in and being that anchor of the team in the center midfield position and to take that away and and you have someone like Andy Sullivan there who you know is not terrible obviously but she's you know you'd rather have Julie Ertz there pretty much is what I'm trying to say and yeah, to do it two games in a row is is mind boggling to me. And to go back to the substitute thing, Vladko Ivanovski's quote also really confused me because he said something along the lines of, "We didn't want to. Sometimes when you put a sub in, like it can disrupt the the offensive, you know, flow. Like, first of all, thank you, Vladko. That was a very my, that was a very groundbreaking explanation of what substitutes are. But also, there was no offensive flow, no offensive rhythm to begin with. So as for what he was trying to not disrupt, I'm not entirely sure. Ooh, there's a, my apologies, there's a wasp outside <laughs> the upset setting up about doing a podcast outdoors, but you know what? We move on. Anyways, um, yeah, so his decision-making as a whole has been really confusing to me, but, you know, maybe this was just, he. maybe he didn't see the Netherlands as a threat, and that's why he, he did this, but obviously he was wrong, and this is a Netherlands team we haven't even touched on that Without Vivian Midama, if, if they had Niedema on this on this pitch, they're not winning this game. They, they might be losing two or three nil. So that's my take on that. Black Godinowski needs to get it together for this team to compete.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have to kind of touch on that. He said he didn't want to upset the rhythm. I think that's just interesting because I don't know how good the rhythm really was at that point. So why not use your subs if your subs are, are so good and so experienced? And as far as, you know, Julie Ertz, I think you got to put her in her best spot. She's so experienced. um, And clearly we're seeing kind of a mismanagement of this lineup so far. So really it seems obvious, but I think going forward, you just really have to put your best players in their best positions. And that's how they're going to be successful in this world cup. It seems so simple, but you know, I guess it's not obvious to Blacko at this point.
1: Well, I, (laughs) I, it's not screaming at him that he needs to change up the back line because really they've defended. Well, they were completely unbothered in that first game against Vietnam, not a single shot, not on target or even attempted from the Vietnamese players. So they got out of that one completely unscathed and then one chance for the Netherlands and they score on it, but it was an excellent build up. You have to give credit where credit's due. And to give more credit, the Netherlands midfield, absolutely excellent. Even with the absence of Vivian Miedema, Lika Martins playing up top, usually a winger, But playing as in that two-striker role did so well holding up the ball, allowing numbers to fulfill. And then Joe Roard van de Donk really pushed the issues forward and made it very difficult for the inexperienced Savannah Demello, who I thought showed well in the first half, didn't do poorly. But Andy Sullivan was beaten cleanly in the midfield on that Netherlands goal. And look, she has had a terrific season in the NWSL. I will not take that away from her. But if there's one player on the 11 that I'm looking at that says maybe isn't up to the level that they need to be in order to defend their title, it would be Andy Sullivan. And for me, that makes an easy switch. Move Julie Ertz into the midfield and bring Alana Cook on. That's not to take away anything from Andy Sullivan. I still think she would be probably a better midfielder than the entire team of Portugal has. But with the standard that this team wants to play at and the speed and the level, they need to raise the bar because I've seen some hesitancy from this team. That's what that, that's what bothers me when Blackco makes this comment about the rhythm that I'm glad that you guys pointed out. Yes, it got better in the second half against the Netherlands, but to say that there was a flow is, I think, a fallacy at best. Because at, at their best, this U.S. team, we saw it in 2015, we saw it in 2019, they get it and they go. They do not waste time. They get it to their... They get it up to their creative midfielders, to their wingers, and they punch you right as hard as they can, as quick as they can. You saw it like the 2015 final, I think, is the best example of this. Arguably the greatest game in U.S. soccer history. The U.S. versus Japan, Carly Lloyd's first half hat trick is obviously what we all remember. But I think what we all forget is that there were five goals all scored in, with the exception of the 50-yard lob uh, in very similar ways in that we got the ball in transition and just beat Japan. We were just that much better, that much stronger, that much quicker, that much faster. And maybe there's something to be said about the rest of the world catching up to the U.S.'s talent and skill and athleticism. But we look down the bench, we're the deepest team in the world. And when our coach says, well, I didn't think that our bench could maybe bring someone on it maybe disrupts the flow, disrupts the rhythm. Meanwhile, we haven't reached our rhythm that we know we're good enough to get. That says to me that the coach maybe doesn't trust his depth, doesn't trust what's trust what's on the bench, which boggles my mind when the name I keep circling is Lynn Williams, and she was terrific in 2021 and 2022. I'm sorry if I'm bloviating about Vlaco Andonowski and some of the things he's getting wrong at this World Cup. But I really, truly think we could be doing that much better with a couple of key decisions here and there. At the end of the day, the 11 players on the field are the ones that are going to have to figure it out. And with a lot of the inexperience that this team has, it's going to be tough. And they're going to have to mud through the waters here to figure these things out. And I think this Portugal game represents not only a big opportunity to, of course, advance to the knockout round, But this could be a massive, massive learning experience for this young group. Even if they don't win the World Cup this time, this core group of players, a lot of them are going to be around in four years. A lot of them are going to be around in the Olympics coming up. So I think it's very valuable that they get through this game and they learn a lot from it. And I think three points and a couple of goals advantage will be enough for them to not only get out of the group, but finish in first. I think it's time for predictions. I'm going to go with a 2-0 win for the United States. Uh, I think Lynn Williams will get time to play and I think she's gonna score and we're gonna remember this World Cup as the World Cup of Lynn Williams. And you know what? I'll say Sophia Smith gets another. So I'm gonna go 2-0 to the US, Smith and Williams to score.
2: I Williams love score, your Williams. I love your predictions every week. It's that first Vietnam game, one of my favorite parlays, potential parlays I've ever seen. If you guys are if you guys are listening, please go look at James Burley's Twitter. It is one of the best tweets out there. It but didn't my, work out. As as far as my prediction for this game I'm gonna go 3-0 and I'm gonna go Julie Ertz goes back in midfield scores Len Williams gets a score and then Sophia Smith rounds it out on that third on that third goal Um, I'm hoping to see some wits because that was obviously the big issue is no no service in from the outside I think we're gonna see that hopefully spot changed and hopefully a three, I mean, gosh, the U S women's national team in a, in a must win scenario in the group stage. Like we've never, I don't know what the last time we've, we've said that is that's unheard of, but I have this team three zero against Portugal going on to the next round and praying that, that the Netherlands beats uh, Vietnam by less than three goals.
0: Yeah. I'm going to go with James. I'm going to do two nil. Um, I think that we'll see Lynn Williams finally shine in this game. And I think that Julia, to your point, I think this is kind of a high, high pressure situation for them. And I think this is where the U S women's national team really thrives. And, you know, they have acknowledged that they weren't happy with the way they played. So I think they have kind of a fire under them right now and they're really gonna stick to their guns and and play well and hopefully like you said james i think this could be a really good opportunity for them to learn and for them to develop themselves as they move forward into the olympics in the next world cup and hopefully in the knockout round they can continue to thrive but fingers crossed but i think they'll get this win uh in this portugal match
1: Well, I'm glad we all think that Lynn Williams is finally going to get her due. That to me, that to me is really important that we're all on the same page on that, especially not, not just a U.S. win. Lynn Williams deserves her flowers, even though she hasn't gotten the chance to perform yet. Um, I think if we could spend a few minutes now, we'll just wrap to wrap things up to talk about the World Cup. Let's talk about some other teams around the world, because it is the World Cup. And while we do love our U.S. Women's National Team, it's time to point out what other teams are doing some big things and Jamaica just got their first win. I think that's huge, not only for the region uh, because they do play in the CONCACAF region with the Caribbean, Central America, and North America. So that's awesome. The fact that we have five teams from our region at this World Cup. I was a little disappointed to see two of them in the same group because that means one of them is definitely not making it out. I don't know but it's not fair that should not have happened but whatever it is what it is bureaucracy fifa corrupt terrible we know that so happy for jamaica i think nigeria has been an absolute surprise as well not only playing canada uh really toe to toe that entire game loved seeing that from the us's biggest rivals uh disappointing in their first match that was great and then also getting a win over um excuse me australia because they're the hosts. And Australia had a terrific World Cup in 2019, beating Brazil. There's so many storylines in this World Cup. So, and that's just a couple. Andy Rodriguez over on FUVFC has been loving what Spain's been able to do. And I mean, how couldn't he? There are two wins, eight goals scored, none conceded there, probably looking like another favorite to challenge the US for their title. So that's just a few. I, I had to give Andy his flowers because he he called Spain before the World Cup. I called the Philippines. Julia, you remember? You remember that I called the Philippines. Yeah, uh, Casey Fair, 16 years old from New Jersey. When this summer wraps up, she's going to be playing in a high school uh, conference tournament county title uh, in her junior year. Insane. Absolutely insane. I used to play against her high school team in high school. She's at the World Cup right now. That's absurd. So what if we could pick one favorite thing that's happening at this Women's World Cup? Uh, uh, oh, and if I can just throw one more, because I, I just want to give five honorable mentions and you guys can pick. Um, the U.S. getting over six million people to view the uh, U.S. versus Netherlands game, highest in a group stage match ever. Julia, go favorite favorite moment from this World Cup.
2: I've got a few to be honest. I think first my favorite moment that has yet to happen <laughs> is Sam Kerr returning. That is that is going to be huge for Australia because as you mentioned, they they've definitely struggled without her. Um, but I mean she's obviously a complete and utter game changer as so captain, and she's coming back monday so i can't wait for that just because i'm a huge fan of sam kerr but the six million views is i mean you can't top this. it hasn't been topped it's literally a record so that's that's obviously big um uh, but i really am following this this nigerian team pretty closely because the celebration the shirt off celebration was very brandy chastain-esque uh always love when people send homages to her um so yeah those are those are my favorite for sure
0: Yeah, for me, it's the Jamaica team. I think they're really fun. They got that win. And uh, two of the players on the team, uh, Chantel Swaby and Allison Swaby are from the town next to me. They're from Connecticut. So really cool to see a little local flair um, on the Jamaica team. And they're just super fun to watch. So Jamaica takes the crown for me.
1: Well, I already alluded to it, but if I had to pick one, it's going to be Casey Fair, the 16-year-old for the Philippines because while she doesn't live in the town next to me, she does go to a school that's very close to me and it's actually insane the the American influence on this Philippines team. The fact that they've got a win, especially against a tough uh, one also against the hosts in New Zealand. Um they have 18 Americans uh or at least 18 players with American affiliations and I think that's absolutely incredible because look in soccer, sometimes we like to make and the world takes. We've done it before uh, and we're doing it again. The Philippines in their first World Cup getting a win. Absolutely incredible. I have a roommate from the uh, the Philippines, so it's just very special that I get to talk to him about this. He was telling me stuff. That's why I like, i didn't really know a lot about the team before I said that they were going to do great things at this World Cup. I was just – I was believing in my friends. So this is for him. Casey Fair, absolute legend. Julia, you have one more you'd like to add. Jump in. I
2: can't, I can't believe – I haven't mentioned it yet. There is a Fordham women's soccer player in the oh World my, Cup. Oh my yes. Wait, what? We, how how we did we not mention
1: this? Danny Etienne?
2: She is a recent graduate of Fordham University. She plays yes. for the Haitian national team, gets playing time, and has been playing really great. So that that is mm-hmm. actually my number one. That is one one favorite thing about this World Cup so far is a Fordham grad playing in the World Cup.
1: Yeah. The the brother of Derek Etienne Jr. who has been a long-standing member of the men's Haitian national team. He's plays in major league soccer. Um, also New Jersey family love the roots. They uh, grew up in North Jersey and grew up with the New York Red Bulls Academy system. Danny Etienne played for Fordham for a while. I was there at the, uh, my first ever Fordham women's soccer game. So this will be a fun memory that we can maybe, maybe wrap up with. I don't know uh, unless we have more things we want to add. Um, my first ever Fordham women's game it was the last game of their season freshman year. I was shadowing the broadcast crew. Um, it was Sam Davis and Michael Calamari. Absolute legends. We miss y'all. And Danny Etienne hit a thirty like three yard free kick, top bins, absolute screamer. And I was like, oh my goodness, I know who that is. I'm a big fan of her brother, her family. And I knew, like, she was the one person I knew before going to Fordham that played soccer there because I knew the family, I knew the brother, and I was like, I really want to see what she can do. 10 minutes into the game, absolute banger of a goal. And credit to Haiti, in an incredibly difficult group with England, Denmark, and China, they have been pretty good, a couple of 1-0 losses there. But, I mean, when you're making your debut at a World Cup like this, what's expected from a small island nation? They're doing their best, and they're actually playing some really good soccer. Danny Etienne has been a part of it, and that is amazing. Julie, I'm mad I didn't think of it, but I'm so, so glad that you brought it up because that was a great thing. And I think that brings us to the end of this one. It was a bit of a shorter episode, but we really needed to highlight things uh, in the middle of this World Cup group stage. Hopefully at the end of this group stage, we'll have a little bit more clarity about how the U.S. is doing right now. We're in a bit of a tricky situation and we didn't think we'd get here. Their most recent match, a 1-1 draw to the Netherlands. And now they're on four points, tied with the Netherlands, but ahead on goal difference. They take on on August 1st at 3 a.m., Oh, here's, uh, this is actually an important question. Will you be staying up to watch the game or will you be going to bed early and waking up for 3 a.m.? Because I actually need a strategy on this.
2: Listen, I'm the wrong person to ask because there's no one with a worse sleep schedule than me. I work really late at SNY and also for Liberty games when I go to those. So like staying up to 3 a.m. is par for the course for me. It is an emphatic stay up to watch, not a go to sleep to watch.
0: I feel like it's a stay up as well. I don't know. I just think 3 a.m. Why not? Why not stay up? Make make it an all nighter. Why not? You
1: know, I'm, I'm with, I'm with that. Not because I I think it's going to be easier to do, but I don't know how I'm going to sleep knowing that they need to get at least a tie to get through to the next round and a win to finish first. So I might just stay up based on the nerves, but with that, We all picked either a 2-0 win or a 3-0 win. We're all confident. It's the U.S. It's the back-to-back champs, the queens who play best with a target on their back. When their back's against the wall, they're going to get this done. I believe in them. I believe that we will win. And that's going to wrap things up for All In this week. Um, A Great talk, actually. I'm glad that we agreed on a lot of things, and it went smoothly. I think we're going to win. I think we're going to be all okay, even if there is a little bit of a nervy moment right now. For Julia Moss and Annabelle Watson, I'm James Burley. Thank you guys for tuning in. All In is a production of WFUV Sports.